Hello. Hello and welcome back. After a six-week hiatus, the Peace of Mind podcast has returned. I have overcome my severe bout of not doing anything. So today, I'm going to be talking about something that directly relates to my absence, kind of, not really, but you'll see. And the topic of today's discussion is going to be going over some of the problems with a hyper-connected world, a world that is informed every which way about every little thing in any little place at all times. What does that do for society? What does that do to us? Should we like it? Should we hate it? What do we do? So that's the topic. I have already recorded the episode and it's clocked in an hour, so we're going to rip through this fun fact so quickly and it's going to be reflective of the nature of the fun fact. So today's fun fact is going to be about hummingbirds. If you don't know anything about hummingbirds, you're about to. They're really, 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 really cool. And I watched the documentary with David Attenborough and wrote down some interesting things about hummingbirds. So we're going to hit him rapid fire, just like a hummingbird flies really fast. I'm going to speak really fast and I'm not going to stop. And it's just going to keep going. And then that'll be it. So hummingbirds, when they fly They have the highest oxygen demand of all vertebrates on planet Earth. Pretty crazy. Their wings beat 80 times a second, and their wings move forward and backwards as though a human would tread water, and that's how they fly in the air. They literally tread air like we tread water. That's crazy. When they're perched, their heart rate is 400 BPM, and while they're flying, their heart rate is 1,200 BPM, and their heart expands in size during flight so that it's big and powerful enough to pump blood through their tiny little bodies. Their blood goes from their heart all the way to their tippy toes, back to their heart in under one second mid-flight to make up for that super high energy demand of literally treading air like water. Uh, They spend 80% of the day perched, recovering from their high energy expenditure flight. They sit on a branch, they groom themselves, make themselves look super pretty and aerodynamic for their wonderful, amazing pollination for the day. They need to feed every 15 minutes because they use so much energy flying that if they don't replenish their energy stores constantly, they'll literally fall out from exhaustion. So their life is living on the edge of a cliff of energy, and if they fall, they die. Pretty scary. Makes them also super extra beautiful because they're amazing. At night, they don't sleep. They go into this like catatonic state of rest where they drop their resting heart rate from 400 beats per minute to 40 beats per minute, which is like crazy, super low. Like your heart rate isn't even that slow and you don't fly really fast in the air. In this state, they're unable to move because their body is so shut down. So if a predator attacks them, they literally are just screwed. So every time they go to sleep, it's just like they just hope they wake up in the morning. And when they do wake up, it takes 30 minutes for the sun to warm their bodies up enough to actually move and start their day. So talk about a morning routine. While they're in this state, they use one one hundredth of the energy that they use flying. And they, like I said, they can't move. And lastly, but not leastly, they are the only bird capable of holding perfect position in space. It is their trademark. They can fly forwards, backwards, upside down, backwards. It's crazy. They're like the blue angels of the birds. So respect them, appreciate them, feed them if you see them, and don't ever talk shit about hummingbirds because like they're way cooler than you will ever be thank you let's get right into the episode so only one way to start this only one adele easy on me it's the lead single from her new album 30 which is phenomenal really really good and this song I didn't listen to right when it came out. I knew it was big and everyone loved it. And I was like, oh, it's probably like really catchy, cool, rolling in the deep, all that good stuff. When I listened to it for the first time, I got like chills. And since then, yes, I have belted it out and gotten teary eyed to this song because it is so profoundly amazing. And if you don't think so, then you're wrong and you should listen to it again. But what I want to talk about specifically as a segue into the topic that I'm going to be addressing, which is a very, 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 very general one. And I'm still not really sure how it's going to end up, but this chorus in easy on me really articulates well, the feelings that I have surrounding this topic. So I'll read you the quote. She says, go easy on me, baby. 
I was still a child. Didn't get the chance to feel the world around me. I had no time to choose what I chose to do, so go easy on me. And you could interpret this line two ways based on who she's addressing. She said, go easy on me, baby. So she could be addressing a loved one, her child, you know, someone like that addressing an individual person, or she could be addressing the world. She could be addressing the society and the fans and the people that have uplifted her and, and bolstered her career and put her on this path and, and made her this star that she is. And that gives a whole new meaning to the line. So that's what I really like about it. It's really simple, but it has this big duality where she's talking to someone interpersonally and she's connecting with them and she's being honest or she could be doing the same just with everyone and, and, and yelling at the world, like telling the world, like, go easy on me. Come on, like, go easy on me. She's a she's a celebrity. She's a singer. She's arguably one of the most well-renowned, critically acclaimed vocal songwriters of this generation. And that puts her under an extreme amount of scrutiny and, and pressure to do the right thing or do what people want her to do. So you get this, it feels like a plea almost, like, go easy on me. What did I, I was a kid, I was a child. I didn't feel everything. I didn't see the world for as it was. And that is, it, it's so well spoken and well sung in the song itself. But to say I was still the child, I didn't get the chance to feel the world around me. She could be a young person a child, a child who doesn't have any care in the world except for being with family, making sure you get fed, playing, having fun. And that is where this you get this blissful, naive ignorance about the bad things about the world, about the difficult things, the things that your parents should shelter you from, the things that, you know, you just you just can't have any way of knowing. Or she could be a child mentally or, or at heart where you've reached this certain age where you're expected to be an adult. You know, I'm, I'm 21 years old. When she did Someone Like You, she was 21. And that, that single has like a billion streams. So she was in this position where the whole world viewed her as, you know, a star. You can't, you can't disavow the accomplishments she's had at such a young age However, when you're when you're like 21, you're three years into adulthood legally, but you can still be a kid and you can still struggle to cope with what the world expects you to do now. Now that you have fame or wealth or success or responsibility, there's a lot of expectations on you. And she's kind of just like lamenting at the fact, like, give me a chance to like feel the world, experience things and, and get to know myself before you, you know, critique me or judge me or expect more of me, like, go easy. And it's just so freaking spectacular because when I heard this song, I, I related to it in a lot of ways because not as much as the world, um, the world having expectations of me, but it's a lot of, I have a lot of self-expectations and another, I guess a third dimension to this line she could be talking to herself. Who's your biggest critic besides yourself? Probably nobody. So here we have a very simple chorus. She could be talking to another person. She could be talking to the world at large, or she could just be talking to herself. And that is so freaking beautiful in so many ways. And it's the most simple collection of words. She couldn't have said it any simpler, but to to me, this is how I've interpreted it since listening. And it's, it. I'm not even done going through the whole quote yet. I'm not even done. It's been five minutes. I'm not even done. So she didn't get a chance to feel the world around her. She had no time to choose what she chose to do. So again, we're looking at it through a few different perspectives now. She could be talking to a lover, a loved one, a failed relationship, a successful relationship, however decisions she made in that relationship went, or she could be referring to her place in the world, 
you know, when you're a young artist and you release a song and then you blow up, you don't really get a chance to transition from young, unknown, relatively your own person, you have some fans, and then the entire planet knows your name. And that is a huge leap. And obviously it doesn't happen overnight, but when you go through that experience and then look back on it, it certainly probably feels like it's been overnight. So she's saying, I had no time to choose what I chose to do. Maybe maybe Adele didn't want to be as big as she is. Maybe she didn't want all this pressure and all this, all these fans and all these expectations for more music, better music, different artistic explorations. And that is so, I respect so much that she's not only saying this, but this is how she led her album out. This is the song that introduced her 30 album. She's 30 years old. She's hit another kind of life marker, I would say. And she's still, still navigating the world that she's been in and and been thrust in. And I think that's just really, really profound. And the amount of enjoyment I've gotten out of the vocals of the song is, you know, it's a great song. <laughs> it's Adele. She's great. But this, these lines are just, oh my God, I can't get over it. I'll probably listen to the song over and over and over again for the next years. I don't know, but it's so good. And I just wanted to start off with that because I think the queen, she does an excellent job of articulating how a person can feel in this world not only day to day, but just in general, how you feel about the past 10 years you've lived, how you feel about what you think the next 10 years are going to be like, no matter what circumstances you're in, you're going to be struggling with shit. And Adele has loads of money. She's got loads of fans. She's talented, but she's still a person. She talks about difficulties with her son and and dealing with a father who isn't in the family anymore and and how do you explain that to a young child how do you assure them that you love them and that you're not going to leave like that is some real real stuff and it's so important for an artist of her caliber and her, of her size as far as her fame to remind people that it's like yo we're just people we're just people that you gave a platform to and the world is a big place but it's also can also feel really small and suffocating if you're in if you're in circumstances that cause that. So that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about why <laughs> I just spent 10 minutes talking about a few Adele lines. I guess that uh might take away from where we can get to in the discussion. However, we keep moving forward. So the reason I just talked about all that is I've been thinking a lot recently about my place and where I want to be, what this year is going to bring and who I want to be for myself and for others and what I want to do to get there. And those are, those are big questions. Those are questions that everyone has. And I'm sure like me, everyone has pushed away out of fear of not being able to reach what you want or, or any other reason, but it's, it's hard to face the big questions. What do I want to do? Who do I want to be? Where do I want to go? And, and how do I want to do it? And that can be really difficult. And it's something I've been struggling with. And it's the reason that I've kind of been so absent from doing podcasts which originally I gave myself as a goal and I was excited for and despite not recording anything for six weeks I was still constantly writing down ideas and reading different things and thinking like oh that would be a great podcast and it was just it was almost too much pressure but it was all created by myself nobody expects anything of me as far as this you know, this is something I gave to myself. It's a goal, an activity I gave myself. I've invested in it. And I just couldn't bring myself to fully engage with it for a long time. And I'm not really sure why, but 
I know that this idea of our worlds being either massive or really tiny and how the world we live in affects that. It affected me a lot. And, and to, or Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday, I will have been home from England as long, I was, as long as I was in England. And that was kind of a crazy thought. So it's almost been six months since I left this country and went to start a new chapter of my life. And now that I've been back, I feel like the pace of my life, the size of the world I'm living in has been dramatically different. And that's what I want to talk about. And I want to talk about why it's kind of a bad thing that our world is so connected. And I want to iterate that this isn't necessarily my personal stance, the things I want to say aren't, you know, this is how I see the world, communication is bad, all that. I just want to make that clear before I get into it. But I want to take the stance of looking at it like that. You know, we have the internet, I can record my voice and you can listen to it in Australia in a matter of seconds, minutes. And that's really, really cool. You know, healthcare, communication, all that stuff. It's just, it's phenomenal the things we can accomplish. But I want to talk about the detriments of that, the detriments of a hyper-connected world, an over-globalized world. And yes, this all is somewhat in the context of what's going on right now in Ukraine. I made an episode a couple months ago now and that was at the beginning of the Olympics and when the president of China and Russia got together and talked about alliance and I, you know, said some things, made some predictions sort of, and now we're in the full swing of it. It's been weeks since Russia invaded Ukraine and it's been about the same amount of time that we've started to see World War III and economic fallout in the news every day. We have United States senators saying World War III, and it's not that they're predicting it, but the fact that it's there is cause for so much concern and worry around the world, whether it's financial stakes, families, there's people with families all over the world who are impacted by this event, and it's really, really scary. And it can be hard sometimes to refocus refocus away from those things and it can bring guilt even to do that I am of the stance that it's important to support people who are being oppressed especially on a scale like this and with such a big spotlight on the event however I can't escape the feeling that I don't I want to phrase this as lightly as possible, but I also want to be honest with myself. But I don't care about the things that everyone is talking about. You know, it, and and, and again, phrasing this sort of bluntly, but I want to, it is heartbreaking what is happening across the world. It's heartbreaking what's happening to families and children in Ukraine. And if those things were to happen to me, if I were, I'm looking out my window right now, if I saw smoke and fire in the distance, I don't know what I would do. I don't know how I would feel. I have no way of knowing how I would feel because it hasn't happened to me. I've been blessed to live in a world, in a, in a, not a world, excuse me, in a country that is very secure in in safety and and economics and and all these different things i've been very blessed very privileged so i'm struggling with the prospect of and and it's not just ukraine there's a lot of things that happen all the time you know i remember way back in the day and by that i mean like maybe five five to ten years ago i have no idea the actual timeline so don't kill me but when France was attacked when the the Paris terrorist attacks, I believe it was. And I remember Facebook had this option to basically filter your profile picture with a French flag. 
and everyone was doing it. I did it. <laughs> like everyone was doing it, but and and I'm seeing similar sentiments going around on social media whether it's you know donating to charities or sending supplies and all that. I don't care. And I can't escape that. What I do care about is the stability of the world, my own safety, the safety of my family and my friends. The idea of us being attacked is terrifying. And watching it happen to another place is really, really sad. But I can't kid myself by saying that I am genuinely emotionally attached to the situation. And I don't know if that's a bad thing, but it's how I feel. And I can't, I can't lie to myself about that. Neither should any of you. And it's, there's a lot of pressure to participate in these social media kind of trends. And yes, I'm, I'm going to call it a trend because same thing with the Paris terrorist attack. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's a trend to put a flag on your profile picture. It does absolutely nothing. It doesn't show your support. It shows that you want to seem like you're supporting everyone else. Anyone who has that on their profile picture doesn't say, I don't look at them and say, oh, wow, thank God that they support them. They don't care. And I would be very surprised if I found that the majority of people actually care, like actually care in the way that you would care about, you know, losing a friend or something. And I, I simply don't. And it's hard to because you know why? It's because it's 3000 miles away from me and I have no stake in the matter. And I don't know anyone. I don't know the culture. I don't understand anything about the place or the place that's attacking it. And that makes me feel like I'm doing something wrong. When I say it out loud, when I, when I record this, I'm like, wow, is this bad to say? But we live in a world that you can see everything that's going on at any time in any place. So you're kidding yourself if you think that Ukraine is the only thing to feel empathy and sympathy and to give your charity to. You're wrong. And you're frankly ignorant if you think that's the case there are, are countries south of the equator that exist all the time just like we do and the amount of concern and and charity that i see talked about are going to those places that are either facing civil wars or droughts or famines nobody's talking about it so and it, so that would make me think that nobody cares about it so what i'm kind of painting the picture of and Again, it's not really savory to say or to hear, but um, the media controls your emotions. I'll put it bluntly first, and then I'll explain. The media controls your emotions, and if you think otherwise, you're wrong. And again, this is my opinion, so I have the freedom to say it that bluntly, but you aren't going to care about the things that you don't know that are going on. That makes sense, right? So our world has the unique ability through technology, through communication, to cast a spotlight on whatever the people casting the spotlight deem relevant and they, what they deem as important for people to know about and to care about and to talk about. And that gets into a whole rabbit hole of political control and, and brainwashing and all that stuff. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I know brainwashing is kind of a weird term, but that's what it is. We're, we're brainwashed. You think that the only thing going on in the world has been Ukraine because that's the biggest thing going on, but it's definitely not the only thing. And I couldn't necessarily tell you any other things, but partially because I don't like watching the news for this exact reason, but things happen all the time. Really, really messed up things. Also, some great things happen. A lot of great things happen all the time. There's a lot of people doing a lot of great things that, oops, that we don't necessarily hear about. I just saw an ad today for a, uh, like almost sort of a cruise liner that travels around to impoverished countries and gives free surgeries to people desperately in need of, of proper surgery. That's amazing. That's really, really cool. But it's not something that is constantly on my mind because I don't really get shown it that much. So I don't think about it. So I think my, my view of the world and the state of the world is almost entirely dependent on what shows up on my news feed and, and what shows up on the news. And like I said at the beginning, this is a very, very loaded topic because I could go in all sorts of directions. 
you know, the algorithm shows you what you want to see. Like anyone who has a smartphone who goes on Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, like you have an algorithm that shows you what you like to watch. So it's, it's not like you're getting exposed to anything new and different to counter your opinions of the world. Media creates this group of people, everyone who consumes it to be single-minded, move in one direction people. And those people tend to uh, congregate their emotional response to things and, and, uh, and find kind of community in, you know, there's solidarity with standing with a country that's being invaded by a world power. You know, people want to get behind that. We like to see the president of Ukraine being a formidable defense and, and really standing up for his people. And we like to see that. But again, not the only thing going on in the world. And it, it creates a personal need to talk about something or to have an opinion on something that maybe you really just don't know enough about. You know, I, I had to watch some videos and, and read some, let's be honest, I, only, I didn't read anything, I just watched videos, about NATO and this conflict that's happening because I really didn't know. But I looked it up and I learned something why? Because it's happening and it was shown to me. Before news and before global information sharing, if I lived in the eastern coast of the North American continent, I had no idea what's going on in Asia, Eastern Europe, Africa. No idea. How would I know? Why would I care? Why would I care? That's the question that I want to kind of address because earlier I said, I don't care about what's happening in Ukraine. Not exactly in those words, but if I'm being blunt, that's kind of what it is. I care about how it's going to affect me, but I don't have an emotional attachment to the situation. And that's the world we live in. We are expected to have emotional attachments to things. And then we feel bad if we don't, or people get angry at us if we don't. And I think that's crazy. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I should be able to care about the things I want to care about, talk about the things I want to talk about, and not have it be dictated by whatever's in the news cycle. We are bombarded with worry and other negative emotions because of events that occur thousands of miles away from us. Anyone is able to comment on these things. We're able to see anyone's comments. We're, we're able to go on Facebook, see a post, and check the comments, and maybe the most liked comment is something really doomsayerish, like, oh, such and such got assassinated, or this happened, or this is going to happen. Maybe it's got a bunch of likes, like it's got 5,000 likes. It's the most liked comment. We read that, we're like, oh my god, is that really going to happen? When in reality, you're just reading the words that some Yahoo, just like yourself, sitting alone at home, wrote on a phone or laptop about something that he probably doesn't know about. So, our society is so, so susceptible to just random attacks of emotional response. <clears throat> you're going about your day. Maybe you're at a really nice brunch. You're having some mimosas. You're with the friends. You're with the family, whatever it is. Boop, bling, little notification. Check your phone. Oops. Um, Russia has invaded Ukraine and the world's going to war. Oh, shit. Like, obviously, that was kind of a bad example because that's you know, a huge news piece. Of course, everyone's going to see that, but imagine it's something a little less severe. Maybe a, a single violent event happened in a city across the world and you, you're like, oh man, that's really sad. Like 20 car pileup in Budapest and huge fires and a bunch of people died. Like, oh man, that sucks. But it doesn't affect you at all. And that's what you have to remember is like, there's a lot of bad things that happen that have always happened and always will happen. And if we allow ourselves to become emotionally attached to each and every one of them, our lives are going to suck because we're just going to think that only bad things happen because we're consuming the experiences of the world around us rather than making experiences of our own. And then we share the experiences of others with others rather than sharing our own experiences with others. Our worlds individually can be really big or really small. We can have a lot going on or not a lot going on, maybe somewhere in between, and that's okay. But one of the fundamental aspects of being human is wanting to share stories, 
wanting to tell other people your experiences. Because unfortunately, we all experience, but we have no way of understanding someone's experience fully. Absolutely zero way. It's not possible, probably never will be. Someone can't lose someone and then tell someone about it. And then that person they tell can understand what they're going through. They can try their best, but they really just can't. So in a world where news is shared all the time and we are directed to pay attention to things that ultimately don't affect us, maybe they do, but a lot of the, a lot of the times they don't, we have these emotional responses drawn out and then we want to talk about them. You know, what is the small talk, whether it's at work or, you know, the office, whatever, you talk about current events, things that are going on, but that's kind of, it's kind of lame. And sometimes it's not. And I do, again, I do all of this myself. I'm a member of society. I'm not like some recluse who thinks that everyone is, you know, a sheep and I don't do any of this. I do all of this, but I reflect on it, excuse me. And I kind of have a problem with it. And I wish that I could change my ways a little bit. Like the fact that sharing news or commenting on news becomes default small talk. It's kind of sad. And it's like, what else can we talk about besides the politics or Biden or why Trump is still in the news cycle? Like, there's just so much to life that exists outside of the spotlight of the news media, which is inherently politicized, which is inherently nationalist. And it just gets us stuck in these ways. And it's really, really sad. And I know I started this talking about Russia and Ukraine. So I don't know if that's hypocritical, but it's kind of what spurred my ideas on this because, you know, I'm watching and I'm always interested in what's going on. Like, how's Ukraine doing? Who's supporting them? And then I'm like, man, like, what's going to happen? I, I just, I have no idea. And nobody has any idea. And that's what's scary. And we, allow ourselves to get caught up in that, to get caught up in that dread and concern. And it takes away from our lives right now. And that's what I have to remember is, you know, we're, (laughs) despite what happens, sun goes down, then comes up the next day. And ultimately, you're responsible for what you do with that. And I, for the past month and a half or so, I feel like I haven't been responsible enough. And I would attribute a lot of that to the way I was viewing the world. Like I would wake up and go to work and then I'd come home and I'd be like, well, now what do I do? Maybe just watch something until I go to bed and go to work the next day. And that is really, it's suffocating. It's hard to escape. And it, I think I would imagine it affects a lot of people, but maybe you're not necessarily aware of it. Maybe you just feel like that's, that's normal. That's what it is to be, doing what you're doing. And I said earlier, it's been three months since I left England. I didn't feel like that at all while I was in England. I woke up each day and I was like, yo, I could do, I could do anything. I was in Europe. You can take a train to France. You can fly anywhere for cheap. Like it, I felt like I could do anything. And, and I was with new people and it was exciting and everything was at a high pace. You know, I was in a city the world was bustling around me. I wake up at 7am, there's cars going, there's buses, there's people. And there's something, there's something energizing about that. And then when I came home, I was, I I had been in quarantine for the last 10 days I was in England. So I was kind of in this like funk of isolation. And then that kind of continued where, you know, I'm back in my bedroom, my home, my hometown, and I'm working the job I was at. And it, it felt like, feels like maybe feels like I took a step back or just stopped moving. And that's, that's hard to deal with because it's sometimes it's hard to figure out how to start moving again. But that's what made me think about this big versus small world. My world was huge and now it feels a little smaller and I can't accept the fact that that's just because of my circumstances. It's because of my mindset around those circumstances and that's something that I'm looking to change and maybe talking about this is the first step to it I would I would make the case that talking about a lot of things is the first step to fixing a lot of things I guess so yeah anyways with what I was saying earlier about news media 
kind of directing our attention to things. I also want to touch on, hopefully briefly, social media, how it plays a role in this, and not as much with things going on around the world, current events, global politics, geopolitics, whatever you want to call it. The ability of every human now who has access to the internet, to technology, that person now has the ability to view in, in sometimes great, great intimacy the lives of other people. However, what they're viewing is filtered by the person that shared it. So it's never their actual experience. However, our brains aren't self-aware and aware of things enough to recognize every time we see an Instagram post or a Facebook share, we're not able to recognize that that experience is is highly filtered. The, I, at least I think. This isn't really based on anything except my own experience. I tend to think I'm pretty self-aware and I still suffer, or, or struggle with this. You see something and you see a person doing it and you have immediate feelings of like, either, oh, that's really great, happy for them, or, man, I wish I was doing that, or, you know, how are they doing that? You have some reaction to the experience that they've shared. However, that experience they've shared isn't authentic. It's not an authentic experience that you're then observing. It's what they wanted to show you, or it's what they wanted to show themselves. And that's crazy. I haven't even said that yet, but that's crazy. It's crazy because it creates all these people who aren't satisfied with their own experience. (laughs) like that is the worst that is the absolute worst if you can't be satisfied with your own experience of the world you're stuck because unfortunately you can't be anyone else you can't simulate another person's life you can kind of drown that feeling with those simulations of life tiktok you know video games instagram all these things that i consume myself you know i binge shows or whatever to pass time and you're not satisfied with your experience, you're seeing other people's better experiences, and then you get stuck in this kind of limbo of, damn, I'm not really fully part of the world yet, but I'm also too old to not be part of the world, like, with an excuse, because I'm a kid. Brings us back to Adele, you know, like, I was still a child, didn't have the chance to feel the world around, that shit is hard, that's so good. Anyways, I'm, again, I'm keep in mind I'm speaking from my own perspective, as a 21-year-old who has now taken a full year off from college, gone to another country, kind of on pause. I have my peers and best friends graduating this spring. I'm sitting at home and working, talking to myself, posting it online, you know. So it, it can be difficult at times to put my life in perspective and really look at it objectively and kind of pursue the things I want because I get caught up in this, you know, like what are other people doing? And what should I be doing because of that? And it's like, that's not real. It's not real. And I know it's not real, but it's hard to remind yourself. It's really difficult. There's a lot of things that we see and that we consume and we're like, oh, that's really smart. That's really relevant. You know, I should do that. But then when you consume something like that exponentially, like, damn it, I messed that up. When you consume things, so often that draw that that give you that feeling of like oh that's really cool or oh that's really interesting the more of those things that you consume the less of them you actually remember so we'll say tiktok for example tiktok has vastly increased people's ability to get just like overloaded with world experiences you got people like wakeboarding flipping over islands with a like a helicopter you got people jumping off cliffs to like really cool remixed music you got like beautiful women and guys and doing all these things and saying oh this is how i traveled the world on a budget of like 20 bucks a day blah 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 and then you're like sitting at home like on youtube or like doing homework and you're like damn my life sucks and that sucks that's crazy that people have to go through that and that people make money off of people going through that And then they will continue to do that indefinitely. We are part of a world that is so freaking large. You know, not actually because like outer space is huge, but we live in a world that is so accessible 
but not actually like you can't actually touch it. Like you can, you can have the sensory experience and you can get the dopamine release, but you can't actually do it and like put those things into your memory. You can't actually just go on a whim and vacation and do some crazy cool nature stuff and like connect with yourself, even though you can watch people do it on TikTok, feel really good about it. And then get attached to that feeling, that chemical release of dopamine that's not actually coupled with anything real. It's just coupled with like a visually stimulating source. And then you just repeat that over and over again until you become attached to that output of dopamine, which like isn't actually real. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. And I'm not going to articulate that anymore than it doesn't exist. Um, so yeah, the world is big, but it's really small if you allow its vastness to get to you which is something i've struggled with and there's a lot of expectations i have for myself and things i want to do and it can be hard to filter through you know the the things other people are doing looking at what other people are doing and saying that looks really great and then like when i turn away from that, then I have to come up with what I actually want to do. I can't just live someone else's success and you can't either. You know, we, people make money off of boasting about their success. Hey, I'm successful. Let me show you. And then like, maybe you can be inspired, but that's not actually what happens. Nobody's going to get inspired to be successful off TikTok or YouTube. Inspiration is a very powerful thing, but it's, this artificial form of it isn't actually effective. It's not, it's not anything of substance. And I guess I, I don't know if I've gotten off track. Yeah, you know, this is part of it. This is part of the world is big or small. Oh, social media. Yep. That's what I wanted to say. I made an Instagram poll the other day and just for full disclosure, I have just over a hundred Instagram followers, most of whom live in England, which is in, 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 it's a similar society to America, but it's also a part of Europe, which is just as much landmass as the United States, except all these different countries that speak different languages and have different cultures are shoved into that space. So I, I would argue that people in Europe have a different worldview than people in America. And that's kind of what my results showed. So I posted this poll and it was like, you know, in your own, however you define it, would you describe your world as big or small? And I kind of said like big, meaning like there's lots of things to do. And if you feel like you have all these opportunities or small, like, you know, things can be mundane or, or boring or whatever you want to do or say about it. And most people said big. And I was like, not really surprised, but I, I bet that if I had a different demographic, either the result would be closer or it would skew towards small I don't really know. It's kind of stupid to expect results when you do something. I guess that's like not scientific or whatever. However, it was interesting and I thought it was cool and, and people seem to like the sentiment of thinking about that. Like, is my, you know, when I wake up in the morning, do I say, oh, here we go again? Or like, oh, can't wait. Like what's going on today? And the quantity or the, or the ratio of those days that you have creates your weeks and then it creates your months and then it creates how content you felt with your life for the past year and repeat that repeat that repeat that so this perception that we have of the world as big or small is really important it can really play a big role in our own individual lives which you know that's the only thing we can control i can't control what's going on in ukraine i can't control how the country I lives in, the country I live in, reacts to what's go, going on. I can't control whether or not the world goes to war. I can't control gas prices. I can't control all these things, but I'm told about them all the time, and it produces this worry. Worry is <laughs> worry in 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 essence is about things that you can't control. But there's no point in worrying about things you can't control. So I don't know if that I don't know if that's a paradox, but essentially we're we're being given anxiety. We're being spoon-fed anxiety when there's nothing that we can do about it. 
and I'm not going to argue against news sharing. It's not what I'm trying to say, but I want to give you a different perspective on it and, and to remind myself and you, I suppose, that there's a lot more going on in the world and there's probably a lot more going on with you that gets suppressed by what's going on in the world. And as I kind of talk about this, I'm, I'm thinking about my own life and I feel like that's probably what's happened to me. I, I kind of put my own progression on pause for the sake of worrying about what's going on around me, worrying about current events and my coworkers or my family or, or friends, blah, 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 whatever it is, whatever it is for you, it's really easy to get caught up in this just endless stream of information about things that ultimately don't affect you. But the funny thing is, is that they end up affecting you a lot because that's what people want. Our technology inherently takes advantage of our biology. Our brains are wired to be attracted to light and flashing light and moving light images. So when you're in a doctor's office, I don't know why I thought of this example, but when I, when I go to the doctors, there's like TVs in the corner. They're tiny little TVs. But if I'm just staring at the room, like without actually focusing on anything, my attention drifts towards the TV because it's, you know, it's moving. Maybe there'll be a flash. I look at it. It's not that I want to look at the TV. It's that my brain is literally like, oh, look at that. Like maybe that's dangerous. Like look at it quick. So every time your phone lights up for a notification, you don't want to look at it your brain does. And the people who made phones and everything know that they understand a little bit about psychology because that's part of marketing. This is a whole, is a whole nother topic. I know, but it's important and it's crazy. Like you don't have a choice in the things you do a lot of the time. <laughs> like you, and it, we're not aware of it. So it's like when you're on TikTok and you're going through, and when I say you, I also mean me, I go on TikTok, but I try not to, I delete it from my phone. I'm not using it, but it's 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 chemistry it's biology it's not your own decision making if you think it is you're wrong and again it's my opinion i can say it like that you are wrong if you think that you like tiktok you don't like tiktok your brain likes the way that you feel when you're watching all these images that do, 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 do all these things to your brain it's not you whoever you are whether you know who you are or not deep question think about it Whoever you are, <laughs> you don't care about that shit. Like, let's be honest. You don't care. But for some reason, you still consume it and consume it. And, I, oh, I wonder why. Is that by accident? No, it's because the world wants you to do that. It's what it thrives on. It thrives on people worrying and buying and consuming. So the world keeps going around. And that is crazy. And again... I think that's related. I don't know, but it's scary, sort of. Um, so yeah, let me see if I, let me check my notes that I made to see if there's any other things that I want to talk about. Oh yes. Um, so speaking to all my friends who are either starting their lives professional careers, finishing college, you know, even if you're finishing high school, blah, blah, blah. If you're on the cusp of a major life change or starting a new venture, or starting a career, choosing a career, whatever it is, I want to, I want to make the argument that it is dramatically more difficult to do that in a world that has seemingly endless possibilities. You can go you can go anywhere and see what's going on anywhere and know about anything pretty much if you look for it. And it becomes really hard to decide out of the endless things what you want to devote your time, your thoughts, your emotions and your resources to. How are we supposed to choose what we like when all we ever see is what other people like? it creates this oversaturation of potential which 
at first thought seems good. You know, the more things that you can choose to do, the better. But this is going to be another topic late down the road, this illusion of choice where choice and, and more choice is better. It's not uh, like I think about sometimes like back in the day when you just had a village that was it. You have a village and maybe you like travel once a year to the city to have a day off or something. I don't know. But whoever you marry is probably going to be in your village. Whatever job you do is probably going to be in your village. Those human beings still lived and experienced and fought and loved and died the same way we will, except they had way less things to choose from. And I am willing to bet that they were probably pretty content. I'm sure life was difficult, you know, without all the technology we have as far as like survival but it gave them something to do. If you're fighting to survive, you're doing something all the time. You know, you're getting water for yourself. You're producing food. You don't have much choice before you can meet your survival needs. We live in a world where our survival needs in a lot of places have been met. You know, at least in America and in a lot of countries, there's drinking water, there's food. You can go to the grocery store. You don't have to do anything yourself. So what's left? What do you do? What do you do that? We're animals. We are animals who can talk and, and think and make songs like Easy On Me by Adele. Go, li- li- great song. Listen to it. But when you take away survival as a necessity, then you're left with, you know, whatever you want to do. And then people are like, oh, shit, what do I want to do? I don't know. What can I do? And someone says, well, you could, you could do anything. You could, you could be a politician. You could be a, a diver that fixes oil rigs. You could fly planes. Well, you could sail a boat. You could just sit around and, you know, play video games or be like a streamer. You could be, make videos. You could do anything you want. Isn't that great? And then the person's like, uh, I mean, I guess, but, you know, how do I know what I like? Well, you just figure it out. You just try it all and figure it out. Oh, I can't do that. So I just have to pick something without knowing what I want. To. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to pick something eventually right around the time when you're like 18, you got to pick a college. And then once you finish college, you better, you know, pick a career and like be happy with it for the rest of your life. And don't think about changing it because like companies want loyalty. They want you to like stick around so they can rely on you. Well, what if I hate the job? Well, you know, it's too bad because, you know, you got to give back to the society that raised you, right? Wow. That kind of made me sad. I don't even know what that was. I guess I did like a little bit there or something, but that's kind of how it is. And that's messed up, dude. Like, what am I supposed to do with myself? I like talking about what have I done in this podcast? Talk about how much the world sucks in certain ways. So what am I supposed to do? You know, am I going to do this for the rest of my life? Probably not. What do I do? I don't know. And I'm sure that you don't either. And if you do, great. I'm happy for you. A little jealous but happy for you. But if you don't, it's okay. But there's just, it doesn't feel like it's okay because there's all this, all this pressure to do something. Everyone's doing something, it seems like. So why am, why am I not doing something? Why are you not doing something? It's all an illusion. The only thing you can count on is your own life, your own decisions. And don't let, don't let the world throw all these burdens and emotional reactions on you. It's just, it's just unhealthy. You know, it's going to freaking kill you. So, yeah, let's see. Anything else? Have I talked enough? I feel like I haven't talked enough. I feel like I could go for another hour, but, you know. Ah, yes, here we go. Um, that was me checking my notes again, in case you were wondering. But, um, so when I was in England, I dabbled a little bit in meditation. It's something that I've known about for a while. I've read about it wanted to do it. I've heard how great it is. I read a whole book about a guy who was a transcendental meditation person. He did it for like 30 years, never missed a day. And he's talking about how great his life was and how he could like think of all these ideas and his creativity was great and his emotions were great and everything was great. And I'm like, oh, it's really great. But, you know, meditating is hard to do because what is it? A lot of people think meditating is just kind of sitting and not think about anything, but kind of difficult to not think about anything is so I I have meditated and I've been successful with it but it's difficult for me to keep up with it because there's so many things trying to grab your attention and meditation is about giving your attention up and kind of just letting whatever is happening around you happen and being okay with just that 
And so last night I meditated and sometimes I don't really get much and I'm like kind of fidgety and I'm thinking about a lot and it doesn't really work. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Other times I like kind of, I've done it enough now where I have some sort of familiarity and I get kind of really, really peaceful. I get into this zone where I'm like, oh wow, like I'm not thinking about anything right now. This is great. Like I'm just like feeling the world around me, you know, (laughs) that was, that was bad. Um, so yeah, meditation is something that I know is difficult from personal experience to, especially now, like, you know, people used to do that all the time back in the day. Cause what else do you do at night? You can't read a book cause there's no light and no electricity. You just sit there and be quiet and listen to stuff. You know, it's cool, but that's kind of what it's about. Meditation is listening rather than seeing, which most of our day is spent looking at things and, and consuming visual stimulus. And that's really exhausting. It makes our eyes hurt, makes our head hurt, makes our whole emotional system and everything gets us all out of whack, you know? So meditation is really important in kind of recentering, reminding yourself that like, it's just you out here. There's nothing else. (laughs) You, You can't prove it. You can't prove that, you know, you got someone next door sleeping in the other room. You can't prove it. It's just you right here. You're listening to the wind, whatever it is, a fan, whatever. So what what I'm trying to say is our worlds are very busy. There's a lot of things going on. You can do anything. You can hear about anything. You can comment on anything. And it's really exhausting. The po- what do you do when you wake up every day and the possibilities are endless? You do nothing because what if you pick the wrong thing? And that's kind of the paradox of our society is like, there's so many things to do. And then so many people are just left stagnant because it's like, well, what do I want to do? So meditation is a way to r- kind of refine yourself and, and just listen. You know, you could just hear your heartbeat. You feel yourself breathing. It's like the very, very simple things that keep you alive. You know, your heart's pumping and your lungs are working. That's great. Now we can do other things. But when you take the time to just sit and, and think about that and focus on it, focus on your breathing focus on listening to the things around you. It gives you this different perspective. It's like, wait a minute, there's, you kind of get to like peer through the cloth of the, I don't want to say the illusion because that's pretty general, but you peer behind the curtain of what makes you, you. I, I don't know what else I can say about it right now without totally going off. But what I wanted to compare meditation to was So last night I meditated and then this morning I woke up and took my dog for a walk at like 8 a.m., which normally I would never do because that's really early. But I woke up and I looked outside and it was super foggy. And there's something about foggy mornings that are just really, really nice. And I was like, I want to just like go outside. And so I'm walking my dog and I'm going around. And obviously, like I knew I was going to be recording this episode. So I've been like thinking about that and I wrote stuff down and thought about things I wanted to say. And I had this like moment where I was like, Oh, wow, this is like, this is like meditation, being in this fog, where I'm on a street, and I can't see the end of the street, I can't see the stop sign. There's too much fog. But I can't do anything about that. You know, it's it's foggy. So everywhere I, when I move into the fog, it just kind of clears up that space. It's, it's kind of interesting, you know, you're like, Oh, wow, if I go over there, it's gonna be really foggy. But once you get over there, then it's just really foggy farther ahead and behind you. Like you move through the fog and create this kind of bubble of things that you can see, which is like obvious, but it's cool when you think about it. It's pretty cool. So I was like looking, I'm like, I physically am unable to see the end of this road. There could be a car, there could be a person, there could be a wild animal running at me. I, I have no idea. All I can see is the things immediately around me. I can see the trees. Maybe there's a little squirrel skipping through. The only things that I can focus my sight on are directly in front of me, around me, beneath me, above me, whatever. I have no choice in the matter. Meditation is similar where it shuts off all the other stimulus and you can just look at what's what's immediate, what's in the room that you're in, what's in the outside setting that you're in, wherever you're meditating and what's in you. Um, And that's really cool. And it, it... shuts away the distractors in the world like when I'm walking my dog on a foggy morning no way am I thinking about what's going on 3,000 miles away 
And if I was, that would be a waste of time. Like, what would I be accomplishing? Nothing. I would just be worrying myself. I'd be getting my stress up. I'd be increasing my blood pressure. All those things just kill you younger. And another thought I had whilst walking my dog through fog, I was like, okay, so I can look around me. I can't look anywhere beyond like 20 meters. So I'm like paying closer attention to what I can actually see, you know, like the trees, the foliage, um, the houses, whatever. I'm like, all right, I got no other choice. I might as well just like take a closer look. And then you notice some things like, oh, that's pretty neat. Like hadn't seen that before in my own neighborhood. Like I walk this route every day, but you're always kind of looking forward rather than like around. So when you're forced to look around, you're like, oh, this, you know, it's pretty nice, pretty nice. And then I imagined like that little, I meant like the whole world is covered in fog, right? And then you're that one little 20 meter circle that moves through it and can see just 20 meters around you wherever you go. And every place on earth ha- is going to have or be able to offer you a similar experience of like, oh, wow, like, look at that in close detail. That's pretty interesting. Like, I hadn't noticed that before. When you're forced to shut out things around you, you're, you're, you have no other choice but to more closely observe the things you can actually see. And then you get a different experience from it, and it's really cool, and it's like, wow, like, this huge, huge world, it's shrunk down to this little point and this little visual point, and you can still get something out of it. So it's like, okay, you feel like you need all these opportunities and all these options before you, but sometimes it takes just shrinking things down a little bit to actually get some appreciation or some wonder or fascination. And yeah, I don't, it's not exactly relevant, but it's cool. And meditation offers a similar experience where it's like you're just shutting everything out and you're forced to take each thing as it comes and not overexert your worry or trying to manipulate situations, just letting things happen because world's a freaking big place and lots of things can happen. And if you think you're going to be at the center of it, being able to control it, then that's just, that's just false. So just let it go, man. Just let it go. Enjoy the fog. Enjoy the silence because without it, we're going to go crazy. Anyways. So yeah, walking your dog is also (laughs) kind of interesting with perspective because think about if you have maybe you don't have a dog but if you have a pet or you know of a pet think about that animal think about its world i spent the past week taking care of some kittens their world is the house that they're in nothing else they can see outside maybe the door is open they can feel fresh air but their world is that house they don't know about palm trees they don't know about animals they don't know about all these things but they're content you know you look at them and they're running around they're playing and they're doing all these things when i'm walking my dog through the fog she is just voraciously sniffing everything and sometimes she'll stop and perk her head up oh maybe there's a squirrel over there and she's devoting all of her attention to that like what the hell is that and i'm watching this and i'm like you know how do you do it man how do you do it? Wouldn't it be great if I could just completely engulf myself in the present moment and not worry about anything else that's going around, going on around everywhere else, you know? And so, yeah, meditation, walking your dog, some duality there. How does your pet feel about the war in Ukraine? I don't know. You should ask him. I bet they'd have a lot to say. Do you think we'd be happier if we were just like our pets and only knew the homes we were in, only knew the immediate environment that we were in? Would we be better off? I don't know. Maybe. Probably life would be objectively more difficult as far as survival, but, you know, would I be wasting my life watching YouTube videos about people watching YouTube videos? Like... I don't know, man. These are the questions. So, yeah, it's something to think about. Live in a big, big world. Big, big universe, too. Like, inconceivably huge. And when you put it into that scale, nothing really matters. World War Three, nothing matters. 
But hey, you could also flip it and say, well, then that means that everything matters. If we're the only little tiny dust ball in this friggin' infinite void of darkness, then I'd say uh, we might as well not waste the opportunity to experience existential crises. Because that's pretty unique in a big void of darkness. Being able to live and experience and maybe your world feels really huge or, or intimidatingly huge or maybe it feels super small and you're stuck in your ways can't get out of your head each day is the same as the last or each day is a new beautiful unique basket of opportunity everyone's got their own thing but it's amazing how the world is still the same shape with a countable number of people and countable number of good things and bad things that happen yet our own perception of it can really really change the way we experience it in the way that other people experience us. And that's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. So try not to get, if you made it this far, I hope you're not too bummed out. Um, I don't know if this whole stream of consciousness made any sense. I think it did. I feel like it did. But, you know... Maybe my world view is different than yours, and you're like, what the hell are you talking about? And I'm like, I don't know. What are any of us talking about? I seem to have a hard time ending things. Um, so once again, I'll rely on Adele and just like, go easy on me, man. I'm still a child figuring it out. So thank you 